Welcome to Sunday Worship on the second mark of mission, which is to teach. Last week it was to tell, this week it's to teach, nurture and baptise, otherwise known as discipleship. We explore this with Paul and Lydia, cast our minds back to Peter and Cornelius, and see threads throughout scripture. Teach and tell are different yet related, obviously. At the heart of the message today is that we're all teachers and learners in the faith, but perhaps at different stages of learning and maturity. However, no one has all the answers. Thank you to Lisa for the reading today, and I hope that you enjoy the reflection that follows, that was given on Sunday the 22nd of May. Today comes from Acts 16, reading from verses 9 to 15. That night, Paul had a vision in which he saw a Macedonian standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. As soon as Paul had had this vision, we got ready to leave for Macedonia because we decided that God had called us to preach the good news to the people there. We left by a ship from Troas and sailed straight across to Samothrace and the next day to Neapolis. From there, we went inland to Philippi, a city of the first district of Macedonia. It is also a Roman colony. We spent several days there. On the Sabbath, we went out to the city to the riverside where we thought there would be a place where Jews gathered for prayer. We sat down and talked to the women who had gathered there. One of those who heard us was Lydia from Thyatira, who was a dealer in purple cloth. She was a woman who worshipped God and the Lord opened her mind to pay attention to what Paul was saying. After she and the people of her house had been baptised, she invited us. Come and stay in my house if you have decided that I am a true believer in the Lord. And she persuaded us to go. Amen. Thank you to Lisa for sharing that reading. And I'm sorry it had a few tricky words in there as well. I want to explore with you the concept of teach and within that, we will touch on nurture and baptise. But I want us just to think about what that means for us. Because sometimes we feel that, you know, our student days are behind us. Um, others would say that every day is a school day. So we come at it from different angles. When you think about those teachers, remember we said that at the very beginning, and I'm sure some names and faces flashed through your mind. But I wonder who those people were that sprang to mind and in what way you remember them, those that you've remembered, revered or resented. And let's be honest, many of us have a teacher or teachers that we have resented or perhaps misunderstood. There's also the ones that you've paid attention to. I love that we line in the story, Lydia paid attention to what Paul had to say. The characters, however, thinking about your teachers, the characters, the stories, the rumours that went around listening to my children now, I just cast my mind back to all the things we said about our teachers. Oh my goodness, I hope they never knew. Perhaps um, the things that teachers said that inspired you or, dare I say, insulted you. I remember my primary head teacher told me once that I would never amount to anything because I didn't have any perseverance. I gave up too easily. I wonder what she'd say now. 
but maybe for you or your child it was a teacher who saw through the attitude and the unhelpful behavior to the dyslexia underneath and then suddenly everything made sense maybe you were the student that teachers adored you know little miss or mr helpful always there to lend a helping hand and a cheery smile there are teachers who inspire others to become teachers and then there are those who like the sound of their own voice they either become university lecturers or preachers i'm kidding i'm kidding before i get absolutely shot down by uni lecturers it's also been said that those who can do and those who can't teach and i've always felt that that's a bit unfair because we'd be lost without teachers and yes we can have good teachers and teachers are not great and all that jazz but we need teachers whether it's formally or informally kieran my son regularly teaches people in the kitchen here how to use the dishwasher and trust me that's a running joke those who drive relied on teachers whether personal or professional many a relationship is tested behind the wheel of a car and within many professions whether plumbers or plastic surgeons brickies or bankers even ministers rely on teaching through apprenticeships and studies and um, mentoring and all that kind of thing and if you've ever hung out with toddlers you'll know that they learn by copying in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, as the people are finding their way after escaping from Egypt, they are told this, remember these commands and cherish them. Tie them on your arms and wear them on your foreheads as a reminder. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you are away, when you are resting and when you are working. Write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. Remember these commands and cherish them. If the first mark of mission is to tell the good news, we could say, remember the good news and cherish it. Tie the good news on your arms and wear it on your foreheads as a reminder. Teach the good news to your children. Talk about the good news when you're at home and when you're away, when you are resting and when you are working. Write the good news on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. The first mark of mission that we looked at last week, and you can go back and watch that if you would like to, is to tell the good news. And the next one is to teach. And at first glance you think, well, is that not the same thing? If you're telling it, you're teaching it. And yes, they're linked, but they're not the same thing. Not quite, they're related. So last week, just a quick resume, we had the story of Peter and Cornelius and a reminder that God was preparing the ground ahead of them. It was a beautiful moment for both of them and definitely a teaching opportunity. But the key purpose of this event, and it's a very significant event, was to show that the good news was for everyone, for Jews and Gentiles. So if you weren't Jewish, you were a Gentile. Gentiles covered everybody that wasn't Jewish. So basically that was the two types at that time, as it was understood. So we had the good news for everyone. And there's that moment where, praise God, um, everybody realizes that everybody can access the good news. Thing is, if you don't teach the good news, it kind of disappears off into the ether. 
if it's to become a way of life, there has to be teaching, there has to be a depth to it, a richness to it, something that impacts on the way that we live our lives. Otherwise, it's just a story. The wee verse that I took from the story of the Israelites um, amongst uh, for earlier comes from the story. So within, within that passage is the story of how they escaped from Egypt. And that wee bit in there is to, to remind them about it. Their good news was that freedom from the reign of Pharaoh. And they were to share that story, but also to find the richness and the depth and what it meant to have a relationship with God. They were taught by Moses, and then they were to go on to teach each generation, teach your children, and then your children teach their children, and so on. I'm sure you get it. And they had to write it down everywhere because they so easily forget. And don't we all? Most folks, and I, I know this, I totally accept it, I'm not even sure I would remember it all, wouldn't remember what we've taught or preached in the church over the last five months, say, since the turn of the year. Because sometimes, unless something has been constantly taught, it kind of goes away. I mean, I used to be able to hold a conversation in German or even do algebra. I can't do that now. I learned how to touch type and I can still do that because I do it constantly. Even the sign language that I learned, I have forgotten because I'm not learning, I'm not relearning, I'm not using it. And that's how it is with faith. We can hear the good news. We could even accept the good news and say, I believe in God. But that's kind of just the limit of it. This second mark of mission pushes us to engage, for it not just to be something that kind of just sits there, but something that is interwoven throughout our life, throughout our understanding of life and that relationship with God. We need the good news, absolutely. You need to know you need to know what you're engaging with in the first place. So it's like the seed. And Jesus speaks about the, 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 the sower and the, some of the seed landing on the path. And that's what it's like if, if we hear it and we go, yep, yeah, I get that. But it just gets trampled on and forgotten about. So the story that I chose for today is really just to help elucidate the point between hearing the good news and the teaching that follows from it. You see, Paul and the others went to look for others to pray and worship with, open as always to opportunities to spread the good news. Really, firstly, the, the best way to do mission is to find the people who are already open to God, because then you've got good soil, so to speak, to plant the seed. And we have actually explored this story previously, but I just wanted to pick up on the idea of teaching within this wee tale. The women were there already and Paul engages with them. And we know that Paul is very open to the promptings of the Spirit. So we know, like Peter, that Paul is very open to God's leadership in his life. And we saw that in the wee story that came before he meets Lydia, where he chooses to go to a destination and the Spirit says, no, I don't want you to go there. And they're like, but we do. And the Spirit's like, no, you don't. And so they don't go. And then in a vision, he learns he's to go to Macedonia and so on and so forth and he ends up in this part of the story with Lydia. 
Luke tells us in the story that Lydia worshipped God and that God opened her mind to hear what Paul was saying because the good news was, was, was more than what Lydia had. Remember, if God has prepared our hearts and minds, if we're open to his gentle touch, then we are more receptive to hearing and being able to accept the good news of Christ. Sometimes what the church needs to remember is that we need to go out to where people are rather than expect them to come to us. But we know that. So anyway, going back to being teachable and having this openness to God, there is such a thing as a teachable spirit. Anyone who has had to try and homeschool their children at some point in the past couple of years will know exactly what I mean. Another way of putting it is you can take a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. And if there's any element of the lockdown that was hard, really hard, it was homeschooling. What I want to reassure you, therefore, today is that learning is ongoing in the faith. None of us, when we say um, statements like, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, or if we pray and, and say, Lord, I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm asking for, but I want you to be a part of my life, or there are so many different ways to, to make that kind of commitment or acceptance. You don't come out the other side of that as a fully formed Christian, you know, like suddenly say, oh, I li I'd like to go to Germany and like that you're fluent in German. It doesn't work like that. I really wish it did, but it doesn't. As a Christian, you, you start a journey. You don't arrive at a destination. It's, it's a lifelong, into eternal life, long um, event. So no matter what anybody tells you, you don't know it all from the beginning. And I really don't think you know it all at the end either. And indeed, what we believe is sacrosanct in the early days, those things that were like, this is what I believe and there is no wavering from this, might become more laughable in our mature years as we grow and, and, and get wiser. What we dis dismissed when we were new to the faith that we didn't see as important with experience and wisdom, we might actually embrace it. So we won't, we won't finish our journey the same as we started it. I mean, Paul in another in another story in the book of Corinth, uh, uh, sorry, in First Corinthians, I believe it is, he's feeling cross anyway with the church in Corinth, and he talks of them needing milk because they're not ready for solid food. And it, the idea there, and it's picked up in the book of Hebrews as well, is like a baby being weaned. Uh, and being a mother, I remember those days, you know, where you gave them milk to start with and then you slowly moved them on to real food. But even when you moved them on to real food, it all had to be whizzed up and, oh my goodness, anyway, another story. In faith, it's sometimes a bit like that. We have to kind of take things in more bite-sized pieces. But sometimes we're in such a rush, we race ahead of God. And that's when our faith can feel fragile or weak. And we might hear Jesus say very gently, O ye of little faith. Sadly, perhaps, 
Too many of us in the church across the generations have neglected the teach and nurture element of our faith, thinking that once we leave Sunday school that then we're fully formed. So at 12 or 13, if you've grown up in the church, suddenly you're, you're there. Really? We rely on Sunday sermons. We have this massive feast and then kind of starve ourselves for the rest of the week. And that really works, perhaps, if the preacher's half decent and say nothing. But the disadvantage is that you tend to get one perspective. If you listen to several different sermons and preachers on the same passage, you would get such a richer perspective. But also the risk is in the church that we've become very teachy in one direction. You know, it's very, the minister does it, or the Bible study leader does it, or the youth leader does it, or, you know, we're very specific about who can do it. And yet, we're actually here to teach each other. Church of Scotland, we do talk about ruling elders and teaching elders, so I get the title of teaching elder. But actually, I get taught a lot by the people round about me. And that's why I love in this story as well. Lydia takes the opportunity to teach Paul and perhaps keep him a little humble. It's really subtle, but there's a wee push in there from her. She's like, if you believe I have faith, you come and stay with me. And yes, it's a challenge, but it's also a teaching moment. Is Paul open to her leadership? And it's intriguing. It's rather like Peter and Cornelius challenging the religious and cultural norms of the day. And so do Lydia and Paul on this occasion. You know, there are stern warnings for those brave enough to teach the faith in the Bible. And those who teach, who openly teach, must remain open to the promptings of the Spirit and be prepared to learn and mature as well. For example, there is no way I am the same preacher now as I was 17 years ago when I stepped out by myself from out from underneath a supervising minister. And so I say this quite openly. If you are to meet a teacher of the faith who tells you that they have all the answers and makes everything black and white, run a mile. All of us no matter how long we have worshipped God, followed Jesus, or lived life through the Spirit, we are all still learners, we are still pilgrims, we are still on the narrow path, or as Paul might say, we're still running the race with our eyes on Jesus, who is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So yes, be confident in the knowledge that you are loved for who you are, and that there's no entrance exam to get into heaven, so nobody's going to test you on your knowledge. But if you want a relationship with God that is rich, that is deep, that will get you through the horrors of life as they occur from time to time, who will celebrate with you in the the joyous occasions, who will just be by your side in the calm and contented days, all of it, then be open to those who would teach have a teachable spirit, to know God more deeply, to walk with God more closely, is by far the greatest gift you could ever receive. You can't have my relationship with God. I can't have your relationship with God because we are unique individuals. Just as any marriage or friendship is unique, 
So is our relationship with God. But we can learn from one another, just as I have learned from friendships with others and seeing how other people live. There are ways to nurture your faith, which is similar to teaching, but nurturing um, really just, you know, helping it to blossom. So there are ways to nurture your faith through prayer and Bible reading, through meditation and, and reading others, for example. You could go to college or university, you know, anything's possible. But there are also opportunities to nurture your faith through worship, discussion groups, on or offline, getting involved in the wider life of the church. And I don't just mean meetings and committees and stuff, but how your church engages out with the community. And sharing the good news of God wherever you find yourself is definitely a learning experience um, that will help to grow, mature your faith, your trust in God and, 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 and be aware of his faithfulness. But let me just mention baptism. Yes, I know it's really important and I've kind of just given you a, a wee fly over it. But anyway, what of baptism? Baptism is an outward sign of inner belief or acceptance. For Lydia, for Cornelius, it was a public sign of accepting faith, a commitment with God and a fresh start. In the Church of Scotland, we baptise mostly children because that's been the custom and folks will say, can I get the wane done? But adult baptism is a thing, it can happen and um, it is something that is lovely to be a part of. However, we're not allowed to double baptise. Once you're baptised, you're baptised, whether you're a tot or as an adult. So we can't knowingly baptise somebody who has already been baptised. But in the church, we do have a public profession of faith, and that's where you make a commitment publicly before a congregation that you wish to be acknowledged, known as, as a follower of Jesus, and as part of that journey, become a member of the church and the rights and responsibilities that that brings. In June, I'm going to be running a wee course called the ABC of Discipleship on Tuesday evenings, and it's just a wee four-week course, and it's about teaching and nurturing your faith, um, and you can uh, take part and join the church if that's what you want to do, or you can take part and it's just an opportunity to grow uh, in your faith and meet others and discuss things and you don't have to join the church you don't even have to be a member to come it's open to anybody obviously for some folks being able to be in the building isn't a thing and perhaps we might find a way to do an online version if folks are interested the material covers acceptance belonging commitment and yes discipleship abc of discipleship and all are welcome whether new or mature in faith whether old or young so as a church, we have a responsibility to care for the spiritual welfare, not just of our members, but for our parish. And because of the wonders of modern technology, even the definition of a parish is quite open-ended. A mark of mission for us then, as a church, is how are we teaching, nurturing, and indeed baptising or welcoming new members? And I'm going to leave that hanging because I think that's a challenge that we all need to face no matter which church community we are a part of and for Moncrief we need to think about that too. It's something to consider as we build again after the pandemic and all that that brought with it. 
Pray, ponder, and do it. And remember, none of us have all the answers. Only God does. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Just to say that there won't be a Rev Sarah Shares podcast for the next two weeks whilst I'm away, partly through work and then through annual leave. But worship will still be available online on YouTube and Facebook and on the telephone. I do hope that you'll return and uh, ready for Marks 3, 4 and 5 that come uh, into June. Thank you and God bless you.